0: going on sports industry enthusiasts welcome to the How To Sports show I'm your host Austin Scott and I hope you are having a great day today and have even a better day tomorrow We have a huge huge guest for this week's show Not only is he another Cronkite alum but he has now been covering the Arizona Cardinals for 22 years and has been exclusively with the Arizona Cardinals since 2007 Darren Urban is the current director of editorial content and senior writer for azcardinals.com And since graduating from Cronkite in 1992, he has stayed in the Arizona area covering sports and just continued to move up the chain. In his early 20s, he got laid off two days after getting an apartment and was thrown into the fire very early on. He even talks about a week during the NFL season covering the Cardinals, how to write a game story, the concept of work-life balance, and so much more. In fact, we already talked about having him on again in the future to focus more on story writing, because there's just so much more to talk about, and so stay tuned for that. And as always, I've been talking for way too long. I'm just here to ask the questions, and me, just like all of you, will be sitting back and taking in some top-notch advice. Enjoy, everyone. Darren, thank you for hopping on an episode of How To Sports. Hope you're having an incredible Friday morning. Again, thank you for just taking some time out of your ridiculously busy schedule, I must imagine, even during the offseason, to come on and share some amazing advice. You've been in the industry for a long time now, covering the Cards for 22 years, and you've been exclusively with the Cardinals since 2007. So uh just an absolute pleasure to have you on and i'm honored to be talking to you and i, I think it's going to be really cool for everyone to hear all of the amazing advice that you can give but first off let me ask you how's everything going for you over there
1: uh, it's been busy uh you know a lot of people like to and this has been a constant for me uh since i started covering this team is you know what do you do in the off season and the reality is is there's always stuff to do i i have uh job responsibilities that go well beyond writing. Um, and besides that, there's always news to cover in the NFL. So it, it's, it's still busy, but it's certainly not the, the busy part of the, when the season is going on. So I you're able to take a little bit of a breath.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I can imagine. And there is always stuff going on, but how, how less busy, this is kind of off topic. I'm going to get your backstory, but how sure. less busy are you in the off season compared to like your workload in the regular season, like on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being the regular season, like how less busy are you during the off season?
1: Well, I mean, it's ultimately, it depends on when we are in the off season right Mm -hmm. now. uh, If 10 is the regular season, we're probably at a three right now. It's pretty low key. Um, But obviously when the combine comes or free agency or the draft, or uh, mini camps, it it ramps back up uh, pretty good, even if it's for a shorter amount of time.
0: Okay, sounds good. Yeah, that that does make sense. So, okay, let me sort of start at square one and then we'll, I want to spend a lot more time than I have with my other guests sort of just getting into the nitty gritty of writing and covering a team. But let me just get your backstory. And I ask all my guests this, um, what was the moment you fell in love with sports growing up? Like, did you have a specific moment that you remember where sports sort of entered your life. I know before we hit record, you asked me how I became a Steelers fan, and I told you. So do you have a specific moment for you? Uh,
1: yes, and I think you'll enjoy it because uh, it's somewhat similar to yours, believe it or not. Um, I wasn't born in Arizona, but we moved here when I was six. Uh, so when when I moved to Arizona, uh, there was Arizona State Sports, and there was the Phoenix Suns, and that was about it. I was not – Huge into sports at that young of an age. Uh, and actually, what uh, kind of turned me into sports, uh, I was eight years old, uh, and my mom down the street went to a garage sale and, for whatever reason, bought me a Pittsburgh Steelers Lynn Swan jersey. Uh, you know, the old school ones. <laughs> I I don't know if you're going to remember them, but back when I was younger, that was a a real thing where you'd get these replica jerseys uh, that you'd get and and kids would wear them, and they're like the ones now. They didn't have names on the back, but um, she got me the Steelers jersey, and as luck would have it, the timing was that the the Steelers were about to play what at that time was the – well, it still is – the second Super Bowl they played against the Cowboys, which would have been following the 78 season So it would have been January of uh, 79 when they, when they played the Cowboys and the Steelers won 35 31 and I had my Steelers Jersey. So when my dad had the game on and he wasn't a huge sports guy, but he didn't mind it. um, I wore my Steelers Jersey, they won and I was a huge Steelers guy at that point. Um, And, you know, being eight years old, nine years old uh, that really kind of locked me in. And as I went, uh, Kind of over the next couple of years, I got really into all the sports. I got more into uh, Major League Baseball and the NFL. Eventually I got into the NBA uh, in terms of loving sports. Uh, and that's kind of where it went. And uh, I haven't been a Steelers fan in, in quite a while. Uh, not that I was a huge Cardinals fan when they first moved out here. You know, I was about to, their first game, uh, the Cardinals first game in Arizona, first regular season game. Uh, was my first day of classes at Arizona State and uh, you know it was an interesting time Um, but uh, you know obviously I followed the Cardinals for a lot but that's that's basically how I got into sports was uh, if my mom hadn't gotten that jersey at uh, at down the street I I don't know what would have exactly happened but uh, it, it worked out well.
0: I was not expecting that answer. (laughs) I thought you had like a game you watched, but you grew up a Steelers fan. That's, that, that's, I I feel like that's a good nugget. I'm guessing a lot of people (laughs) don't know that. So, Um, okay. uh, Next question I ask everybody is growing up, what was the moment where you sort of realized that you might want to actually get paid to do sports stuff? So what was the moment you realized that maybe you wanted to be in the industry? Now, I know you're a writer now, but whether that was writing, broadcasting, production, any aspect of sports, of being in the sports industry. Yeah. Uh, do you have a moment where you sort of realized that might be for you?
1: I, I don't know if I would necessarily say a moment, but it was it was along those same lines. I love to read. Uh, you know, unfortunately, people your age aren't ever going to really know this, but uh, <laughs> at, at my age at that time, obviously newspapers were a big deal. Uh, we got the afternoon paper at my house, uh, the old Phoenix Gazette, uh, which Office was within spitting distance of where you are right now, actually. And uh, I, we would get that and I would go and read the stories. And when I was nine or 10, uh, I loved to write, I loved to read. Um, I would take the box score of the Suns uh, and I would write a little article, uh, if you will, about off that box score before I would read the regular story. Uh, just to see if I could do something. And, and I enjoyed it. And so I, even at that early age, that's what I really wanted to do is I wanted to write about it. I, I knew pretty early on that I wasn't athletic enough to actually do anything playing wise, uh, but I wanted to be around it. And I again, loved to write. And that's kind of where it went from there.
0: That, that's okay. That's most of us, right? You know, we, we all probably played some sports growing up, but we all kind of realized that We 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 can't make the big league. So uh, yeah, that that. So you started writing those articles off the box scores when you were ten. Is that how
1: nine or ten somewhere in there? Yeah, I mean they weren't extensive stories, and and obviously when you're just writing off a box score, it's essentially an AP story. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but uh, you know you didn't have any quotes or anything like that, and and obviously in those days, uh, you know the coverage of the team. That you either you listen to the radio and I was listening to Al McCoy at the time for Suns games. Uh, You listen to the radio and then you read the newspaper. I mean, there was no cable. Uh, Most Suns games weren't on television. Uh, I got to go to a couple every year. My my parents would take me. My dad would take me. But uh, for the most part, that's that's how you followed a team in those days.
0: Yeah, um, I kind of want to hop into your journey at Cronkite. So you're the second Cronkite alum that I've had on and you're also the second writer I've had on. So just talk about your your journey at Cronkite. The the last Cronkite alum I had on graduated in 2019. I know it's been a lot longer (laughs) since you graduated from Cronkite. All right, all
1: right. We don't don't need to get uh, much
0: longer, but. (laughs) <laughs> OK, yeah, we, we won't we won't specify, but I think well, it I'll might have been, specify, but it's it still okay. hurts a little bit, you know, like a year or two before 2019. Sure, first, right? sure, sure. We'll call it, we'll call it that. Um, talk about what you did uh, to get involved at Cronkite during your days here. Um, did you already kind of know you wanted to exclusively do writing or, you know, just talk about what you sort of got involved with at Cronkite, some of your best experiences here and what kind of did you do to help propel you into the industry?
1: So, um, like I said, I, I, got into wanting to be a writer pretty early. So when I went to high school, um, I got on the, the student newspaper when I was a junior, uh, to be a sports writer in there. And at that point, I was pretty sure that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I was lucky in that regard that I, I thought that's what I wanted to do for a long time. And it be- became pretty clear to me that that's the direction I wanted to go. Um, you know, and I explored some uh, other potential colleges, but between money and uh, not really wanting to leave home, to, to be honest, um, you know, Cronkite was a, a, a good journalism school. Uh, obviously the name alone uh, made you understand that. I reached out to, when I was in high school, I sent a letter, letters I kept actually, uh, to a handful of national, I shouldn't say national writers, uh, but writers I respected that I had read around, um, Mitch album, uh, Curry Kirkpatrick with sports illustrated, a couple other ones and, uh, asked them kind of what, what their advice would be for school. And the, the cool thing that I liked of, of kind of how they, uh, approached it was, was the fact that, you know, none of them, um, discouraged me from staying home. You know, it would have been easy for one of them to say at the time, you really need to go to Northwestern or you really need to go to Missouri. Uh, but they all said, you know, it's it's about what you make it. And Arizona State was, was a good place to go. So uh, that kind of reassured me a little bit. And so I went to Cronkite, got in the journalism school right away. Um, and then kind of went from there. But that was always the plan. And and eventually I got on to the state press when I was a junior. Uh, I kind of lucked out in that regard because they didn't hire me right away. Um, But somebody left and right before the semester started and uh, the sports editor at the time, uh, his name was Paul Coro, um, who ended up covering the Suns for 20 years, 15, 20 years at the Arizona Republic. Um, and he's now my best friend. Um, he hired me and I got on there and that kind of got me in the door uh, to cover that. I think that first the first semester, that first year, I covered the tennis teams and swimming, diving and got to do a little bit of football and a little bit of uh, basketball, uh, the, the cool sports. But uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I got into it and kind of went from there.
0: That's pretty cool. I, I personally I'm I'm on the state press as well. And you know, now there's there's a lot of different clubs here at Cronkite that you, you can write for. And so the, the opportunities are endless here. But it's nice that you sort of had your path and you stuck to it. So that that's really awesome to hear. Um, so let's talk about you entering the job market after you graduated from Cronkite. I feel like in today's age, there's just millions of companies, whether they're startup sports companies or even up to professional sports teams that are looking for sports writers. So Back then, like, were you picky at all about where you wanted to be? Obviously, you've been in Arizona basically your entire life. Were you open to going somewhere else? Did you really want to stay at home, cover Arizona sports? Just talk about what you sort of did to get into the job market post-graduation.
1: I wish I had some great piece of advice. I would say (laughs) that I was, if you go back, I mean, I think there are some things I can deliver advice-wise to say, hey, do it my way, and uh, I think that'll help you. I don't know if getting into the job market would be one of those things. Um, I I wish I could sit there and say, well, it was because I wanted to cover Arizona sports or whatever it was, but the reality is is when I graduated college in 1992, um, I didn't particularly want to go anywhere. Um, I was happy living in Arizona. Uh, which obviously, uh, especially in our business, completely limits uh, a lot of what you want to do. I mean, I wasn't going to get hired by the Republic in those days. And, you know, it's funny, the, the business has changed a lot in the regard that, one, it shrunk in terms of some of the more prestigious, quote unquote, places you can go. Um, but, but the Republic now, They'll hire got people right out of school because they don't want to pay. Um, back when I was coming out of school, uh, you, I wasn't getting a job at the Republic. They were getting the best of the best. They were paying better, um, and you know, so I knew I couldn't start there. So I ended up uh, really lucking out when I when I first graduated. I didn't really have a good plan. Uh, that's on me. Um, and But I, I lucked into, there was a, a small paper called the Scottsdale Progress, and I'm from Scottsdale. Um, and there was, I, I had freelanced at the Phoenix Gazette uh, covering high school sports. And the, my mentor there was friends with the one full-time sports writer they had at the Scottsdale Progress. And they had a part-time job where they had literally just gotten rid of the guy. Uh, 30 hours a week job and my mentor said you really should call over to the uh, call over to the progress and see if you can get that job and I literally when I first talked to the editor he literally was like how did you even know we had an opening because they had gotten rid of the guy the day before and my friend my mentor had heard about it so long story short it worked out I got hired there for 30 hours a week that lasted all of three months, four months before they laid me off because they couldn't afford it anymore, which was tough because I got laid off literally two days after I moved into my first apartment. Oh man. And all of a sudden I didn't have a job. And uh, I, I kind of, you know, treaded water by doing freelance for my old mentor at the Phoenix Gazette. And they did let me do some freelance stuff for the Progress. But the summer was coming up and I had been covering high school sports. And obviously, in the summer, there's nothing to cover. Uh, and I lucked out again. I had a guy that I worked with at the state press who was on the news side at the paper in Flagstaff. And, flag staff, and uh, he knew that they had a sports opening that had just come open. And he reached out to me and said, I don't know if you'd be interested, but you should apply for this job. And I ended up applying for the job in Flagstaff and I got it. So, right before the summer hit, I moved up to Flagstaff and took a job at the Daily Sun of Flagstaff, covering sports there, and that's kind of my foray into the business. Uh, my first full-time job was so in Flagstaff, and I was making a whopping $15,600 for my salary. So it was uh, it was a glorious time in 1993.
0: <laughs> Did you ever have to work like? restaurant jobs any other so you said you basically got your apartment two days later to get laid off so when you're sort of in that position you talked about your freelance work did you have to do other stuff on the side like outside of journalism ever or did you always kind of stick to writing
1: i was able to stick to writing amazingly um That's awesome. i moved in i wasn't uh i wasn't engaged at the time or married but i moved in with my now wife to that apartment so She had a job at a small newspaper in Avondale, um, and we made just enough money to make it work. Uh, So I didn't have to get another job. I thought I was going to have to. Um, I didn't want to, um, but I was very lucky. I'm a fairly frugal person. I've gotten better over the years as I've made more money, but in those days, uh, we didn't do a whole lot. We didn't go out a lot. We didn't spend a lot of money uh, what little money I had made uh, up until that point, I'd socked away a lot of it. So I was lucky in that regard. So, uh, I just, I just was smart. Um, we probably didn't have a whole lot of fun. Uh, the two of us in terms of doing a lot of cool stuff when I was, you know, 21, 22, 23, because
0: we just didn't have the finances to do it, but, uh, but we made it work. That's awesome. Um, so I kind of want to talk about your buildup to, writing for the Cardinals exclusively. I I know you were on the East Valley Tribune and you covered the Cardinals with them for a little bit, but I want to sort of just talk about what you did to be exclusively with the Arizona Cardinals in 2007. So just talk about the lead up to getting sort of the sort of dream level job at this point. I mean, you're covering a professional football team and you're, you're a senior writer from them now. So just talk about the lead up to getting that job and getting to be directly with the Arizona Cardinals?
1: Well, I had worked uh, after Flagstaff, I got a job. Uh, The the, the Scottsdale Progress newspaper that I was telling you about, when I went up to Flagstaff, eventually got purchased by the Tribune newspapers. So they became the Scottsdale Tribune. And once that happened, uh, about, I don't know, 18 months after I was in Flagstaff, um, they decided they wanted to add a writer just for Scottsdale um, to cover high schools. And they had reached out to me. They obviously the people that I had worked with when I was there before uh, still knew me. And when I got laid off and they reached out and I had actually applied for an editor job at the Tribune to leave Flagstaff uh, somewhere in there, except the sports editor basically said, look, I appreciate you trying to do this, but you don't want to be an editor. You want to be a writer. And I don't want to hire somebody to be an editor thinking they'll eventually be able to move over to writing. So this isn't a good idea. And I admitted that that's what I wanted to do. So I had to wait. And then, so when this writing job came open, they thought of me. And so I got hired to the Tribune in 94, December of 94. And I was there uh, covering, it was high schools first. I got eventually moved. I covered the, 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 the then Phoenix Coyotes for a season, uh, got moved off of that. I was essentially the backup pro writer for all four pro sports teams uh, for a year. And then I lucked out. Our Cardinals writer left, and they offered me that job, and I took it. So 2000, I become the full-time beat writer for covering the Cardinals. And it this was right about the time the internet was really starting to rev up. Uh, teams were starting to get into their own internet websites. The Cardinals didn't do a whole lot. Most teams didn't want to have a writer. It was pretty basic. There was all kinds of things involved in it. But um, over the years, I obviously, covering the Cardinals, knew the, the people they had writing on it. Most of the people they had doing it weren't writers by trade. so mm-hmm. And that's fine. Um, but – in 2007 in January or something, they hired, they, they hired a writer um, that he wasn't particularly good, didn't have a whole lot of experience and he didn't make it out of his probationary period. So I think they had gotten a little bit frustrated and I was out here covering some workouts in the summer, some OTAs or something. And I got to know the woman who um, was running the website, uh, she wasn't the writer, but she was running it. And, but I had become friendly with her and she made some joke one day about you should come and write for us. And we kind of joked about it a little bit. And the more I thought about it, uh, the more she thought about it, the more we thought maybe it was a good idea. And I said, you know what, run it up the flagpole and see if, if your side would be interested. Cause maybe I would be interested. And this was about the time too, that newspapers were starting to really, uh, They were still doing okay, but we were starting to see the beginnings of, uh uh-oh, you know, where the internet is going and where advertising is going. This could be an issue with newspapers, which, as we've seen, has absolutely happened. So um, I'm making this a longer story than probably it needs to be, but uh, eventually uh, she – enough people here wanted to do it, so I interviewed – and even then, you know, they were gonna offer me a, a pretty significant raise. I wasn't sure I wanted to jump into the team side. I had a lot of questions over what kind of freedom I was gonna have. Obviously, working for the team is not working for a newspaper. I think I've done a really good job, if I do say so myself, writing things that people can still find worthy of coverage of a team, even though I do work for the team um over the years and I've actually had people tell me that so I'm happy about that um and I have had my hand slapped here a couple times saying a couple things that like hey why why are you saying that you work for the team but for the most part I've had pretty good freedom to do what I do and so I eventually took the job uh and I started the first day of training camp in 07 and I've not looked back and when that was training camp of 07 and in by December, I think it was December of 07 07 or January of 08, the entirety of the Tribune was called into a meeting that was so big, they had to go to the uh, Mesa center, uh, center of the fine arts over there. They couldn't even do it in the regular building to deliver the news that everybody, but like a handful of people was gonna be laid off within the year at the Tribune. So I would have lost my job had I stayed there. So I luck I lucked out in a lot of ways. And and that's how I got here. And it's, it's just grown from there. And it's, it's worked out really well for me.
0: That's awesome. And don't worry, you're, you're not talking too long at all. That's what this podcast is for. I don't <laughs> I don't like time limits at all. And yeah. I've worked with, you know, having 20 minute podcasts, but I, I really appreciate how you're going in depth and just, just sharing that entire experience. So that yeah. was great. Um, So take me into the NFL season. Let's say the Cardinals have a Sunday game at, mm, I don't know, back East, uh, you know, well, I guess it's 11 here. See, I'm from California, so I guess it would be an 11 a.m. kickoff. So let's say the Cardinals have a game. Um, Take me through the process of a normal week during the NFL season. So from, I guess, Sunday after the game's over through, you know, the weekdays, Monday through Friday, and then leading up to the next game. Like, what are it's you preparing actually, and yeah. like, what kind of stories are you writing day to day?
1: Well, it's actually a little bit easier for me to start on Monday because that's, okay. I feel like, because i kind of feel like the, the week
0: starts on co- Monday
1: co- culminates with that game. So let's, yeah. let's say, and, let, and let's say we had, uh, you know, we'll talk about a, a game back East. We, we played in, uh, I don't know where we would have gone. We went to Jacksonville this year. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll do the Jacksonville week. Kind of off the top of my head in terms of travel. Um, so so Monday uh, before a game, uh, there's usually no the players are off. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury will have a press conference. Um, I will do uh, usually the from the day before. I'll do like a blog post. And I and the way I kind of look at stuff. I have a blog and then I have quote unquote regular stories. I I look at the blog as a little bit more conversational, a little bit more, they don't necessarily have to have, it doesn't have to be built on any reporting necessarily, it's more my thoughts. It kinda, and the reason I have them, I don't have to separate them, but I like to, because I feel like it gives me a, a little bit of elbow room, both internally and externally. If somebody goes to my blog, they know it's a little bit more of my personality where the other stories are a little bit more Straight journalism, more or less, a feature story, a news story, whatever. But I'll do an, I'll, I'll do uh, kind of some analysis based on snap counts and pro football focus grades. I'll do a blog post on that. Uh, we have a second writer. He's usually doing the follow story on Monday. Uh, I, I, I use that day in a little bit to take a little bit of a breath uh, for because it, I, there's a lot of work over the weekends and. and essentially I'm working at least six days a week during a season and, and many days, there's at least some work all seven days. And that's just how it is. Um, I'll also on Mondays begin, I, I post a mailbag on Tuesdays uh, that I try and have done for the morning. And I, I do, I do enough questions and I make it long enough that I've got to work on it. The majority of Monday to have it be ready because I, it's, a mailbag mailbag's a lot of work in terms of, getting the questions, editing all the questions, which inevitably people don't really care about how they've written it. So I've got to make it look right for publication. Uh, And then I've got to give some thought to the answers and and write those. So that takes a chunk of of Monday. Uh, Tuesday, um, I'll I'll finish up the mailbag. There's usually uh, a couple players are available and I'll talk about it as we've been doing it now. Locker rooms haven't been open, so these are Zoom calls. Uh, they make a couple players available. We might have a story to write based on who's talking. Maybe, maybe not. Just depends. Um, I do a podcast every week. We record that on Tuesday afternoons, so that's an hour or so that I'm, I'm doing. I'm working on that, and then I'm also kind of mapping out how the rest of the week is going to go. Um, it's been a little bit more difficult to map out the week early uh, with COVID because I don't know necessarily who's going to be speaking on a daily basis. Whereas when the locker rooms open, I can go talk to whoever I want. So it's a lot easier to plan in those times, but um, so then Wednesday and Thursday, we're usually coming up with, and and it changes, uh, but there's usually a main story. The quarterback, Kyler Murray, usually talks on Wednesday. So usually there's a quarterback centric story on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to depend on who's talking, but you do you try and come up with some main story and then maybe have some notes on the side, injury information, that kind of thing. And then all the while, you know, if a if a blog topic comes up that's not for me big enough for a story, or again, works better as a, a, kind of with me, uh, you know, kind of pontificating on it more than straight news. I'll, I'll run with that. You never know what's going to come up during the week. Um, I might do a, a one off radio interview here and there. Somebody reaches out to me to do that. We have videos. Uh, oh, yeah, that Monday I do do a video with Danny Serac, one of our reporters, kind of going over like the top two or three pay- plays of the day before uh, win or lose. So I'm on camera doing some of that stuff um, on Friday. Uh, I have a, a blog post that I've been doing on called Friday before whoever they play uh, that I've been doing for at least a decade now, which is kind of like a we we have a regular advance that the other writer writes on Saturdays, but the, the my blog post is more of like I, I put my thoughts into it. It's kind of a, a catch-all of quotes I didn't get to use during the week or. Thoughts I have going into the game, or like, hey, I would look for this kind of a cornucopia, if you will, of things that are going to happen. I think that are going to happen. We have another, uh, a couple other preview stories that go uh, that go up on Fridays. Um, Saturday we'll have uh, inevitably some kind of transactional moves that I need to write about. Uh, post the advance story. So there's always a little something on Saturday, although I'm, I can do that from home. If we're traveling to a away game, especially like East Coast, um, we'll leave on a Friday. So we leave on a Friday afternoon, get there Friday night, have all day Saturday to be in whatever city we're in because they want to kind of get adjusted to the time, uh, which we would have done in Jacksonville. We went out Friday night. So uh, Sunday morning, I'll take a bus over. I take the early bus over to the stadium or leave early if it's a home game, but we're talking road game. We take an early bus to the stadium because I am a co-host. Uh, we have three hours of pregame radio. I'm a co-host of the first hour of it. Uh, so if it's on the East Coast, it's on pretty early here. Um, but I'll do my hour of radio. Uh, and then the rest of the time before kickoff, I'm working on an inactive story and kind of getting my bearings, getting eat something. And then during the game, covering it, uh, tweeting. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not tweeting play by play, but I'm tweeting things as I go thoughts. I'm thinking. So if you want to kind of follow how I look at stuff, you can follow my Twitter feed uh, and then post game. Um, I'm, it's a little harder. It's a harder for a road game, obviously, because we've got to get on a plane and I think we're going to start having, excuse me, we're going to start having wi fi and a plane going next year, but, We haven't had Wi-Fi in the plane the last few years, so I have to have the two stories that I write after the game, I have to have them ready and posted before we take off. So I'm rushing to get everything, getting interviews done and getting a game story and a follow-up blog post with analysis and a bunch of different stuff, and I have to have those all formulated, reported on with quotes and written between the time the game ends and the time we start taking off on the airport, which is a short amount of time, two and a half hours maybe, which is a lot when you're talking, not a lot when you're talking about getting quotes, coming up with a, you know, 700, 800 word game story and then this other longer blog post. So it's, it's a rush but I've, I've been doing it enough that for long enough that I can get it done. And I think I do a fairly good job with it. And then, then we go home and get home, whatever time you go, you know, and then the next morning you're getting up and doing it all over again.
0: I feel like I should have found a time in there to give your voice a break. Uh, So my apologies. I just, you know, (laughs) I don't cover an NFL team, but you just kept going on. And so you just kept going day by day. So that was beautiful. Um, Just, a couple of questions, I guess, just based off of that, is yeah. it almost impossible to find a work life balance during the regular season? Do you get consistent sleep? Is there time? Is, are you home a lot of the time or, or do you have like planned outbreaks or is everything just sort of spontaneous just because there's breaking news stuff happening all the time? Like what's the work life balance like during the season?
1: Uh, work life balance is a, that's a funny term. Uh, you know, if you work in the yeah. NFL I I think teams are trying to get a little bit better and and I I haven't worked for a lot of other teams. I haven't worked for any other team, Um, Hmm. but I've talked to people and the the culture is what the culture is in the NFL. And if you're going to take a job in the NFL and you're going to be on the football, I'm not on the football side of it per se, but I might as well be because I'm following their schedule. Um, You're going to be working six or seven days a week. Um, That's the reality. Um and the the thing about the NFL that's good is because of how the days are situated and because I've done it long enough and we have enough manpower, I get in here at well, I get in here a little earlier because they had earlier practice this year. But for the most part, you can work eight thirty to five for the most part, and you you're okay. Um do I have to leave on a Friday for uh, some road games, yes. Do I leave on Saturday for other road games? Yes. Uh, are you going to have two-day weekends? No, you're not. But at night, I can. I, you're going home. and You can have dinner with your family. Uh, my sons played high school basketball, and uh, you know when they were playing early games at four o'clock when they were freshmen, I was able to get out of here and still get to those games most of the time, assuming I wasn't out of town. Um, so that worked out okay. Um, I, you know, if you go work for a NBA team or a hockey team or a baseball team, most of the, and doing things in my department or in things that, you know, people that go to Cronkite do, um, those people are expected to be in the office for a regular office day and then still go to home games, which are at night. And they are all the time when they're at home. So it's working for an NFL team is still better than that. Um, yeah. But again, in season, I'm, I'm going to be working six or seven days a week. And if you, I understand, and, and it's a little harder now, I'll be honest, Austin, <laughs> because, you know, the, the mindset of people coming through college and getting into the workforce now is different than it was when I did it. And now, I'm, I, you know, I don't wanna sound like get off my lawn guy, but there's, there is, work-life balance is important, uh, but there's, I, I also find, quite frankly, that uh, there's a disconnect right now, not with everybody, but with some that are coming out and thinking, you know, because work-life balance is such a big deal now, that that is a right to have and it doesn't always, it's not always able to coexist with working in sports media and or working for a team. And I think those are decisions that every person needs to make. Uh, When you're talking about, you know, what I wanna do with my life, um, there is a glamorous part of working for a team or working in covering sports, but there's a not glamorous part. And I do think that sometimes there are, people that want to get into this thinking of the glamorous part. And then when they realize of the harder part of it, they struggle with it. And I think that's something I, I wonder sometimes is that being taught, you know, in the classes mm-hmm. that you're in right now, or is, is that getting put across? Like if you get into this business, it's not, you know, you're going to have play like our place, we work from home cause of COVID for a long time, but now that we people are vaccinated and that kind of stuff you're expected to be in the office and you know, you don't get to just pick and choose. Well, I want to just go work from home. It doesn't work that way. And I, I think sometimes um, those are the things that need to be discussed uh, in classrooms as much as uh, you know, how do I, how do I get this job or, you know, how do I plan out a schedule or how do I write a story or how do I edit this video? I, I think some of this other stuff is just as important.
0: That's really interesting. I, you, you bring up a good point because I feel like something that I have really soaked in since I've came here is all about work-life balance. And, you know, I, I personally, I've had to drop a couple of things this semester just because I was doing a million different things. And I felt like I wasn't putting 100% of my effort into the things I wanted. So, you know, there it's interesting. There's almost, there's a balance to the work-life balance in yeah. a sense. Well, so it's, funny, really it's funny. It's funny you say
1: that because when you say drop a couple things, I'm I'd be curious to know mm-hmm. what you're talking about because there are people, there are students that go the other way and they say work life balance, but what they're talking about is work 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 balance. Where mm. students that are trying to get ahead are taking on four things that'll look good on the resume when you can't do all those things, and that's not work life balance either. That's just that's just putting too much stuff on your plate. Now, if you're talking about you had to get rid of a couple stuff where, and I'm just, I don't know you at all, but like, if you're talking about like, I, I had to, I couldn't play on this softball team with my buddies uh, because I have to get my homework done. That's a work-life balance conversation. But if you're talking about, well, I didn't, you know, I was working at the state press, but I was also trying to do this internship with the Republic and, uh do this podcast and do all my classes that's not work life balance that's just work work work
0: balance so you know what i'm saying that's that's exactly that's literally exactly what happened i I write for the state press i was doing an unpaid internship yeah uh, ran by a great guy and i just realized i didn't have the time for it because i was doing so much writing so yeah it was mainly work 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 and so that that's that's, exactly what you said you got to
1: be careful about that i mean you know you 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 do want to have a personal life you do want to not always be all in um but it's the other funny part is is again this is the time when you have a little bit more elbow room because if you do end up in a relationship or you do end up with a family or something like that this just gets it just gets harder it's just going to get harder uh and it's doable but you know again priorities are always are always so important i early in my career Uh, Before I started covering the Cardinals, uh, I was working at the Tribune when the Diamondbacks were created. (laughs) Yeah, I'm old now. The Diamondbacks didn't exist, and then they did. And uh, the Tribune was trying to figure out what they were going to do to cover uh, the Diamondbacks. And it's before I covered hockey, and I asked my wife at the time, and we didn't even have kids. And I'm like, what would you think about me going for this job of covering a baseball team? And she's like, if this is what you want to do, go for it. but I didn't know if I wanted to because covering a baseball team is hard and there are many, many, many baseball writers that have had their marriages blow up because they're just never around. And it's, again, that's not unique necessarily sports writing or there's always jobs that you spend a lot of time on. But you, these, are, these are all decisions when you talk about work-life balance that you have to make sure that you figure out and you're able to do at a high level. And yet still have that work-life balance and it's not easy all the time.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this, this conversation's honestly been incredible again. Thank you so much for hopping on. And I love how go, how deep you're going with all of this. Um, We are running out of time. So there's a couple things I want to touch on. And honestly, I, I, Hope sometime down the road, I can have you on to talk about story writing specifically. <laughs> just because We can do that. We can do awesome, that. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we'll make sure to schedule sometime in the future. But I want to talk about a little bit. So I write game stories. Basically, everybody here writes game stories, whether it's for extracurricular stuff. There's literally classes where we have to write game stories for. Right. Um, I guess, <coughs> sorry. Um, I guess in a nutshell, talk about the like important things that goes into writing a game story, because something we get taught a lot is you don't want to just write this team won by this score to this score. They ran for this many yards. We could play better. You know, stuff like that. You want to start yeah. with a very engaging lead. You want something that people are going to click on. You want something that's almost like a futuristic story. Yeah. Um, so talk about your process about writing a game story and maybe like the three most important elements that go into writing a game story or just the preparation process of writing a story that people are gonna read? Okay, Uh,
1: so if you're talking about a game story, usually you're talking about something with a time element involved in terms of you wanna get it up as soon as you can. Um, So you have a little less time to really formulate it in your head. Um, that That is by definition going to make it harder than a feature story that you might have some time to mull over, to really consider stuff. And I, to me, writing a good game story, more than anything else, is what a sports writer has to have experience doing before they can really do it well a lot. Uh, you know, I, I think you can write a good feature story as a raw writer because you have more time to think about it I think writing a good game story on a deadline, whatever it might be, even if your deadline is three hours away and some people have long later deadlines or even self-imposed deadlines, it's it's you're, you're always held to who you're able to access after the game who and, and how quickly you can come up with it. I mean, one of the things COVID has hurt is I can't go talk to whoever I want to after the game. I have, so there might be somebody who in, in my head makes the most sense for a game story mm-hmm. of, of an interesting way. And if I'm not allowed to talk to them, if they don't bring them into the room, I can't talk to them. So that kind of hampers ha- it now. But if you want to talk about three things, one, uh, the most important for a game story to me is you should have a not a great idea, but at least some idea of what direction you might want to go with if, if depending on the outcome of the game. Now for me, I cover the Cardinals. I'm not covering a random high school game like I used to where I, I didn't, I wasn't a beat writer for either team. So it just depended on who won and you probably take it from the angle of whoever won and go from there. But uh the uh i'm going to cover it from the cardinals angle so win or lose that's it so uh, let me take you to as bad as it turned out i'll take you to the playoff loss to the rams and my thought process because that's the most recent game story i wrote so i go in there and they're getting their doors blown off and it's going to be difficult for me i'm writing for the team website i i I, you know i'm not either there's only so many things you can say when it goes bad I, when things don't work well for the team, I can't be an opinion columnist and trash the team, but I can write about how poorly they played. And then that's when I'm hoping that the people that do get interviewed talk about how poorly they played. And then I let them, I let them do the talking. You get it. Yeah. So that was part of it, but I go in and I'm like, okay, you're hoping somebody says something of note. So a, the first thing is have an idea of what you might be wanting to say going into it. A lot easier for a playoff game because either your season's over or you advance to the round. But in the middle of the season, you can make that work. The number two thing I would say would be uh, I'm looking for an anchor quote that delivers something great. You're not always going to get it. And again, when you have better access, you kind of wander the locker room until you do. but. We get in there, and uh, I forget what order it came, but J.J. Watt was the next to last guy that came through out of five or six people that talked after that game. And I had a quote from Cliff Kingsbury that I'm like, that's not bad. They lost. I I could use this quote. And then I remember Christian Kirk said something, and I'm like, okay, that's that's probably better. That'll be the quote that I'm going to kind of anchor this loss lead about. Then J.J. Watt came in and somebody asked him something, and I'm I'm blanking on what exactly he said. You can go back and look at whatever the, my game story said, but it, he, he gave a, a heavy, uh, a, it, oh my God, and I'm drawing a blank, but it was something along the lines of, you know, it was, we, we were terrible. It was, it was worse than that. But he like dropped the hammer. Like if I was gonna say how they played, he said it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So it was like the perfect quote, about like, we were miserable or we sucked or whatever he said. And I was able to use that as my anchor quote. So then, okay, that's the number two thing. Um, and, and again, you're trying to tell the story of spinning it forward of not only that they lost, but you know, I'll, one, one way that I often do it is it's like, you know, oftentimes I'm gonna say blah, 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 blah said what, comma after the Cardinals had their season end with a 38-13 to loss or whatever it was to the Rams uh, Monday night at SoFi Stadium, you know, you're dropping that score in as almost like a secondary. He said this, by the way, this was a score. And because that's kind of how I'm trying to pitch it. Now, do I still have some game-related stuff in there? Yes. I'm dropping in a couple stats. If there was a key moment in the game that turned it, There wasn't any particular one in that game because they just played terrible, so it was a lot more general and a lot more of the quote saying we I don't know what happened, blah, 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 but. I don't like to stuff my game story with too much play by play because people know it by the time they read it oftentimes and. I've even tried on the road games when I'm trying to get out of there fast, I try and write chunks of it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to need this. And inevitably, even if I want that part in there, I trim it down way more than I Mm -hmm. already written it out because I have all these other things I want to write. Don't, you're not going to be able to pre-write a game story. And that's why getting good after games is so important to write quickly because anything you're pre-writing is probably not something you're going to want in there anyways. And when I say pre-writing, I mean like during the game, any yep. kind of play by play. And I yeah. would think that would be the third biggest thing is just, you're, you're, you need to write what happened after because people already know the score. You're trying to get at why it happened rather than what happened because people know that stuff. And yeah, even no, there, sure. there are people that argue that the, a game story like that is even not necessarily necessary anymore. I feel it's important if you come to my site, if you didn't see the game, you can at least get an idea of what happened. So that's why it's still important for me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And I I think those are all really important. As someone who does write game stories, I I do sometimes struggle with trying to write the story during the game and usually doesn't work out. So uh, no, yeah, that's amazing advice. And I think uh, hopefully that's previewing to something we can hopefully work on in the future, because I would love to just break down feature stories, profile stories, your, your blog stuff as well. It all just sounds really interesting just to go really deep into the writing aspect, but um, this is kind of off topic to what this podcast is about, but I already know that a lot of Cardinals listeners are going to be listening to this, right? Right. So uh, let's just spend a couple minutes. I just want to ask you uh, what's the Cardinals outlook going to be, in the next year, in your opinion, right. uh, I'm a Steelers fan, so I'm used to you know high hopes going to the playoffs, uh, getting dreams sort of crushed. But uh, as a Cardinals reporter, yeah. what does it look like this season in, in a tough division with the Niners, the Seahawks, and the Rams?
1: Well, I, I'm I'm certainly not trying to punch your question, Austin, but I'm going mm-hmm. to give you the same one that I would give anybody, or that I might say. of on course the of course in the next few weeks, which is essentially here in January. I have no idea, and and the reality is is mm-hmm. uh, we we have we haven't even gotten to the point where the t- the players that aren't going to be here aren't here anymore. Like free agency hasn't started. We don't know what the draft is going to look like. Um, I I am always super hesitant to make any kind of predictions. I can tell you that you know this team has got some cap issues that they're going to have to kind of juggle. Uh, they're running out of time with Kyler Murray on his rookie contract. And once that kind of elevates and explodes, uh, that's gonna hamstring them on what they can do on the roster. So there is definitely a win now kind of mentality. Um, I think the quarterback has to continue to trend upwards, I think, which is what he's done for three years. But because I don't know what this roster is going to look like, um, it's really, really hard to get a handle on what they might do and what their roster looks like or what anybody's roster is gonna look like. The Rams, for instance, They could win a Super Bowl coming up here, and yet they've got some key free agents uh, that they're going to have to deal with and other guys whose uh, contracts are ballooning up and going to take away cap room. So it's really, really, when you're sitting here in January, it's really difficult to know exactly where they're going to go. Do they have optimism? Yes. They've got a quarterback, which will always make them competitive, uh, and that's better having covered a number of Cardinal teams that didn't really have a quarterback, uh that's that's the most important thing
0: awesome yeah that that's the perfect answer i just wanted to give a little teaser to all the cardinals fans He left it very open and up in the air but that's awesome okay i don't want to go over the hour mark so hopefully we can do this we're we're good uh got a couple last kind of hitting questions for you that i kind of go through with every one of my guests you are a sports writer so first i want to ask you your top three sports writers of all time, maybe it was someone you grew up reading. You said you did a lot of reading growing up. Someone that writes yeah. in the industry now. Um, first three sports writers that come to your head. I, you know, I, Mitch
1: Album was a guy who um, I'm from Michigan originally. So when I would go back to visit my relatives, I would read him in the Detroit Free Press all the time. Uh, I was a fan of the Detroit teams because of that, uh, because of my family. And uh, he I always loved what he did. So Mitch Album was always somebody that I enjoyed reading tremendously. Um, and so he would be definitely one of them. Um, Gary Smith, who worked for Sports Illustrated, uh, a really good feature writer, and I had a chance to talk with him a little bit after I started the beat writing. Uh, he was the one who wrote the initial, Pat Tillman Sports Illustrated story after Pat was killed um, before we knew all the details of how he was killed. Um, And he wrote a, he wrote a cool story about it and he, and I got to be interviewed for that just in terms of background information. And I think Gary, Gary is a, was a really good feature writer. Um, You know, he, going back to that Tillman story, it's always one of those things where it's always really hard because the story he wrote, if you look back now, it doesn't hold up all that well. And it's not necessarily Gary's fault, but part of it was because of how we found out later, how the army kind of covered up that it was friendly fire and all this stuff. And that's not in that original story. And there's that heroic vision of him getting killed by the enemy. And that's why it's harder to do what we do when we don't have all the information and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, but that's a topic for another day. But Gary, Gary Smith Mm -hmm. was Gary Smith was another really good uh, writer. that I, that I appreciated. And then, you know, it's, it's funny. I I think things there, there's a guy who I worked to, he was my boss uh, and he wasn't even, he he was my sports editor. um, Didn't write a lot of sports, but he's an incredible writer. He works in Mississippi now names, Slim Smith, who no, nobody's going to know. But he would just, his, his writing was spectacular. And uh, I, I loved everything that he wrote uh, when he had a chance to write. Uh, and I always really admired him and, and I could go on in this list. There's a lot of people that I admire, Kent Summers, Scott Bordeaux, uh, people that I grew up around, uh, who are my friends now, who were mentors when I first got into the business that are really good. But, uh, those are the three that really pop.
0: That's awesome. All right. So next question for you, top three games that you've covered. Now I have some guesses, just trying to look back and think of, uh, great or tragic cardinals games but uh for you top three games you've covered uh, i guess with the cardinals in this case because i'm I'm guessing i've covered a lot
1: i've covered a lot of games let's go with the cardinals and and, but but if we do cardinals um i mean the the number one game uh because of how it turned out was has to be the nfc championship win after the 2008 season um Mm. you know to be uh having covered that team for a decade at that point and uh, um, that was that was really amazing um, and to be on the field when the confetti was coming down and the Cardinals were going to the Super Bowl that was that was pretty cool. So I, I cannot that that was that's number one on my list. Um, I, I would say number two, uh, even with the outcome uh, would probably, end up being the super bowl uh, Mm -hmm. because it was a super bowl and uh, i've been to a number of super bowls uh and i've covered a number of super bowls but because the cardinals were involved you know to know that i was within you know a couple minutes of of earning a ring as a member of the organization would have would have that would have been a nice way to end it Um, and then i guess the third one and again there have been so many probably the the hail larry uh playoff game in 2015 when uh you know uh, aaron Rodgers throws the two hail marys at the end to send it to overtime and then larry fitzgerald makes the two catches in overtime to, yeah. to win that playoff game that's in there but i mean I, there's just so many awesome i mean i covering that the game where kurt warner's last home game ever where they beat the packers in the playoffs and he had more touchdown passes than incompletions the deandre hopkins hail murray a couple years mm-hmm. ago uh, you know even the the McCown to pool Hail Mary on the last play of the season to knock the Vikings out of the playoffs. I mean there's I, I've covered so many amazing games it's crazy.
0: Yeah, you knocked out two of my three guesses that the Super Bowl and the and the the Larry Fitz Ot game. Yeah um, okay, well, that's all the questions I have for you but if you want to follow Darren Urban's work with the Cardinals, just really go to his Twitter. You're going to find all the stuff there. That's at Cards Chatter. So that's Cards, C-A-R-D-S, and then Chatter, C-H-A-T-T-E-R. So make sure to follow him there on Twitter. It's been an absolute joy to have you on. I think you just shared some amazing advice, incredible stories. Again, we're approaching that hour, Mark. So sorry if I kept you a little overboard. All but uh, is there anything, uh, I guess, an, an anchor quote, uh, an ending quote, anything <laughs> that you want to add or anything you want to say?
1: Uh, no, other than somebody just opened the door. So there's a meeting coming in here. So I got to get out of here anyways.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to how to sports to follow along for news updates and daily listener interaction. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at HT sports show and Instagram also at HT sports show. You can listen to us on all podcast listening platforms, including Apple podcasts and Spotify. It was a pleasure talking to Darren, and it's been a pleasure trying to serve a large community of sports industry enthusiasts. And until next time, have a great day, and even a better day tomorrow. Peace.